give it up for a God who is not, give it up for a God who is not just excellent. Our God is excellent. <laughs> That's how you know a real singer. You make the vowels work for what's best to do our praise. I love that. Thank you very much for your leadership today. What a treat. Will you please join me in a spirit of prayer? God, what a gift it is to be able to set aside a moment for you and for us to reflect on our relationship. May this hour of worship bless just that. May it give us a spirit of growth and strength and perseverance in faith so that we have all the nourishment we need for the road that is ahead. Hold us tight, God, and may this reflection on your word and the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the church say, amen. So as I mentioned, today really will be part two of what I preached last week as the resurrection sermon because I thought, you know what, why not deepen into some of the ideas that I introduced. But if you weren't here, do not worry, fear not, that is online and I will bring everybody up to speed because the points that I've made are worth, you know, sitting back with a little bit. But before I get there, I want to spend some time with this text that we have coming out of Acts. And it's a special text that, in fact, I've never preached on before because it is, uh, it's when we're first encountering what's going on with the disciples after the resurrection. And it's not an easy text because Jesus is asking the disciples to do something that I think many of us, I don't know, I won't speak for you, I will say I can't stand doing, which is to wait. <laughs> I'm not the most patient person. I'm sure you all are, so this is not your issue. So if it's not, just bear with me. But, oh no, okay, yeah, so maybe, who else maybe sometimes struggles with this? Go ahead, you can, yeah, okay, Rebecca, thank you for joining me in my moment. Um, but yes, it can be quite a struggle to wait, especially because we live in a world and a culture and actually, I would say Jesus did too, where, where everything, everyone wanted to just hurry up and get there. And that was a deep frustration you can see throughout the Gospels in Jesus' story where people would expect something out of Jesus immediately. And sometimes that would happen, like in a healing story, especially if it was an acute issue. But in many ways, Jesus was saying, you're going to have to work on my schedule. You're going to have to trust that that schedule is appropriate and that my time is what is called for. But that trust was hard. And the disciples struggled so much with that that they stumbled a lot. And now, in this text, you know, with the great good news of the resurrection, the disciples are now struggling again because they've got to go to a room and persevere in prayer. And I don't know about you, but I all the time intend to persevere in prayer, but it's not exactly the easiest thing to pull off. 
And in fact, as we listen to this story as it continues in the Gospels, we see that the disciples struggled with that too. And in fact, even when Jesus came and talked to them, the, you, know, you know the story of doubting Thomas, encountering Jesus was hard because they just didn't know, what, is that really you? So here, in this story in Acts, we're learning about that season between, you know, the great celebration day of resurrection when they learned the good news that Jesus indeed was not dead but alive and had come back from the dead and conquered death, and they were starting to get what that meant, and I'm sure they didn't get it all right away. But then they had to wait for the Holy Spirit. And what kind of instruction is that? Because first of all, you guys, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight. We can listen to that and say, oh, good, they were going to wait 50 days for the Holy Spirit. That's fine, because we knew what the Holy Spirit is. We know what the church has taught about this. But the disciples didn't know that quite then. And in fact, so that promise of something good coming made sense to Jesus. But the people didn't know. And, my God, what about the people who weren't instructed to go and wait in an upper room or go and wait and pray and persevere, like the folks on the road to Emmaus who also encountered Christ and didn't know what was coming? And the reason I'm going through all these stories and trying to weave them together for you is that I hope that you might, too, be able to relate to some of that frustration or unknown quantity of faith. Because just as the disciples didn't quite know, I would imagine we don't either. And each of us can find ourselves in a place of waiting for something spiritual. We hear, some, we hear a lot of people, particularly in my generation and younger, who talk about being spiritual but not religious. And I think in many ways, you've heard that phrase? Have you ever said it? <laughs> yes, many of us have said it too. And I get that because the trappings of church, I think, sometimes can assume that we get what's coming next and that we are patient enough to wait for it. The spiritual part of us wants it now. We want the Spirit to infuse us and to hold us and to carry us through our biggest challenges right now. So the idea of having to wait for the Spirit is a challenge. So that's why I've never preached on this text before, because nobody wants to hear that. However, what I would love to do is to flip that for you, because my guess is that we're all waiting on some kind of infusion. How many of you have ever experienced the letdown of after Christmas, or if Easter's a big deal to you, the letdown of after Easter? So you get the big day, you know, the big celebration, you get the presents, if that's part of your tradition. You get the tree up at Christmas, and, and, and there's twinkle in the lights, and then you, day after Christmas, you're like, okay, those lights are going to come down. And then maybe three weeks after Christmas, you're like, this is embarrassing, right? It, it can get a little bit like it's a peaks and valleys of our spiritual life, at least in the liturgical calendar. And that happens with moments of celebration, too, where you get these highs. It doesn't just matter for within the church year, but just any time in our lives when you get this great moment of joy, and then you have the grief that that moment of joy has passed. 
And so here's what I would like to submit to you as we prepare for the second part of this sermon, which will be short, I promise, Uh, that we, in the spirit of waiting, there is a lot of growth and possibility of conversation with God in ways that we would never expect. If you had asked the disciples, what is the Holy Spirit that you're going to get in 50 days, if it were up to them, whatever would come in 50 days would be far short of what God could offer. And that's true for us too. And sometimes we only can imagine solutions to our deepest problems that are about this big when God has plans that are this big. Does that make sense? And so when we are invited into a season that is not, you know, the big celebration, but rather it's, and this is where I'm going next, a season of praise, then that is a way that we can come to get to know God in a way that we can actually receive God's blessings that are on their way with the fullness and the openness of hearts that's required of such a huge moment. And so this season of Eastertide is a time when Jesus invites us into that season of praise. And praise can be our big and loud hallelujahs, and those are good to offer, and we do that in church. We have gospel every single week. You are always welcome for that, for that spirit of uplift. But for the other moments, for those quiet parts of the day where your mind gives you thoughts that you really don't need, when you're exhausted and your spirit is feeling heavy, when you're wondering, well, God, my God, my God, where are you? Or even you repeat the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you even forsaken me? Even when you're in those moments and each of those thoughts is valid in the walk of faith, if you can take a moment for praise, I promise it will shift your orientation to the day. What is praise? Praise, like I said, can be our loud hallelujahs, but praise can also just be recognizing God at work, which means sometimes just looking at the small things. I'm tired today, really tired. I never preach the week after Easter, but that's our life right now. And I decided, you know, I'm going to wear a dress I really like today that I haven't been able to wear for a while. And I put it on and I'm like, you know what, this is a moment of praise. I can wear a dress to church today that I never would have worn because I'm going to use that as a moment of celebration, of a blessing in my life because I'm healthy. Another moment of praise. I get to walk into the church and see new faces, people who were here last week for the first time and who are here for the, you know, to be back. That is a moment of praise. God is doing something exciting with us. I get to walk into the church and I get to see people who I have sat and prayed with who were struggling through grief and are coming out of that moment and I can feel the Holy Spirit working. I get to have all these little, I get to hear my daughter having a piano lesson just before church so that Mika can make sure she gets to a great concert this afternoon downtown. All these things could just be things that I take for granted, right? Or I could notice and acknowledge as a moment of praise that God is up to something. 
And my challenge to you and to me and to all of us is to take notice of what God is doing so that you're not as focused on what you're not seeing, but you get to look at what is before you and behold God active in your life right now. That is praise. We have, in closing, an opportunity to notice that God is never done with us, that there's no moment of static spirit, that spirit is always moving and at play. And last week we talked about how it would have been enough for God to mold us from the clay, to breathe ruah, the first breath into our lives. That would have been enough. It would have been enough for God to bring us out of captivity and into the promised land. That would have been enough. It would have been enough for God to just send Jesus and teach us and open up the scriptures and to heal. That would have been enough. It would have been enough for God to raise from the dead and conquer death. But God is never done. It is never enough for God. And God is always on the way and always present. Praise is noticing all that and taking just a moment to say thank you. Thank you, God. Amen.